Welcome to the Ascend Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Chris Hopper. And I'm Dan Harrison. Each week we delve deep with some of the brightest and most forward thinking, out of the box minds in health, consciousness, mindset and spirituality. This show inspires our listeners to improve their body and mind and our intention is to fuse and lock the conscious warrior and shift the balance in the current paradigm. In this episode of the Send Podcast, we're joined by UFC and welterweight fighter Carlos Condit, also known as the Natural Born Killer. This is such a great episode and we really highlighted the incredible journey of becoming a UFC fighter in this podcast. However, each week we have very deep conversations with all different types of people, from the Iceman Wim Hof, inspiration and motivational speaker Prince Ear, to even Stephen K. Hayes, who spent 10 years being the bodyguard of the Dalai Lama. But in this episode, Carlos is certainly somebody who has constructed a great mindset, and he's certainly somebody who goes beyond the power of the self and into the inner warrior. I think sometimes people will just look straight at where Carlos is now and look at what he's achieved in terms of his career, his life, and being one of the best fighters and the top fighters in the UFC as well. But it's really about the journey. How he's constructed his mindset, who inspires him, how he trains and how he taps into the potential of the human body. They're the real gems. And near the end of this podcast, we also give Carlos the power and asked him if he could organise a super fight and he could organise a super fight with any fighter. Who would he fight and why? But before we jump in with this podcast, I'd recommend heading over to the website at ascendbodymind.com and checking out our great two minute little motivational video in the show notes with Carlos Conrad and his training. It's a great little video that will just inspire you for the day ahead. And also, please don't forget to leave a review of the podcast and just let us know what you think. So without further ado, Carlos Conrad. Yeah, you having a good day today, Carlos? Yeah, I am. Yeah, great. I would like to say thank you for giving us your time today and being on the podcast. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you having me. I think as well for a lot of people, like they just see the top end of the spectrum and look like look at where you are now in terms of like one of the biggest and best fighters in the game. But I think, in my opinion, it's like the journey and the transition from what has happened right at the start of your journey to where you are like now that really fascinates me. But I was wondering, Carlos, what what attracted you to mixed martial arts and fighting in the first place? Uh, as as a child i just had a just a really really intense interest in in martial arts and initially it started with uh martial arts movies and uh cartoons and i've I've said this before in other interviews you know i was i was into the ninja turtles you know and i just wanted to i wanted to grow up and you know do something like that and uh you know always always kind of had that in the back of my mind. I did different sports, but I always wanted to be, you know, a prize fighter. Something. Yeah, Carlos. What what made you like think you could do this, and what started you off on your journey? Well, um, you know, I I I can remember getting in fights when I was very young, probably maybe five, six, seven, eight, seven years old, and. I remember I just enjoyed fighting. I liked it. I liked the, you know, the physical uh, combat. And 
and, and as a young kid, I, I started wrestling and did did well. I did okay. I wasn't super athletic or anything, but I, I just kind of had that, that same tenacity that, that I bring into the cage now. And, uh, uh, you know, that, that, that is really probably where my, my journey started with, uh, you know, with, with wrestling. Mm, that's such tenacity can take you so far, really, if you embrace it. Carlos, was there any individual influences that really mold you into being the fighter you are today? Like, I know you mentioned, like, the, um, was it the Ninja Turtles? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, but I, I know a lot of people like, were influenced like, by Bruce Lee. Was there anyone, anyone like that? You like, you emulate your style from? Well, uh, you know, when I was about nine years old, I think it was uh, 1993, and I saw one of the first UFCs, and I saw Hoist Gracie in there, um, who was a smaller guy, not very physically imposing, and he was, uh, uh, you know, dominating all these, all these different guys. And I was, I was inspired from that point. Um, I saw that people with a grappling background could do very, very well in a fight sport. Um, that, you know, a fight sport that hadn't really even, you know, taken off at that point to what it is now. But, um, that really is what planted the seed into kind of what was coming to fruition now. Yeah. I know as well that um, like really early on in your career as well, you faced off with um, 95 um, Fed veteran Andy Sewer in Japan, like only losing by like a technical knockout with like 17 seconds left on the fight. Like I was thinking that must have been like such a tough fight to start your career. Uh, it was, it was. You know, I, I had I had some some mixed martial arts experience at that point. I think I was undefeated as an MMA guy, but that was really my first, you know, all stand up fight you know, all stand-up kickboxing fight ever against a guy like Andy Sauer. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I got my ass kicked that night. I'm not going to sit here and say that I did <laughs> very well against Andy. No, he, he kicked my ass. Um, I stayed in there for, for five rounds with him, and that definitely um, helped, helped shape me into the fighter that, that I eventually became. Yeah, I think as well, I was just about to say as well what you said there, I think like that sort of fight could have broke a lot of fighters, but for you, I think you use it as like a lesson and a tool that propelled you on your journey. Oh yeah, without a doubt. I remember coming back to the gym here in Albuquerque and some of the guys who had been giving me hell in sparring sessions uh, before that, after having gone through that, that, that war with, with Andy Sauer, I just... I it just changed my attitude and I was, I was able to maybe not physically, uh, you know, do better against these guys, but I, I was different mentally. It showed in my sparring sessions against these guys that, that had, you know, been giving me problems for years. Mm, like, I think that's a great lesson from your fight with Andy Sauer. Like, and that's defeat and failure isn't bad. It's only bad if you allow it to be in your mind, but obviously you've used it for growth. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've learned more from my losses than I have from my wins. Uh, mm. It's always it's always fun to win. You know, we we love victory, but um, like you talk like you talked about, the, the journey is is full of uh, you know ups and downs and 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 uh, victories and failures or seeming seeming failures. Um, but yeah, it just depends on your perspective how how you take it how you use it to move forward. Um, and that's really what defines you uh, uh, as as a fighter or as a person, really. Yeah, definitely. 
Call us the art of MMA and fighting. It's been around for such a long time. Like all these beautiful traditions of combat practices brought from many different backgrounds from Europe, South America, Asia. So many countries and so many nations like have such unique styles. How does a fighter like yourself adapt to each individual art that an opponent can bring? Well, I have the I have a good fortune of being um, born in Albuquerque, which just so happens to have one of the uh, premier gyms in the world, and we have guys from all over the world who come to train here um, with different styles from diff- different disciplines and different backgrounds. Uh, so I'm able to, you know, learn. Um, I'm able to get sparring partners who have, you know, different different styles, different techniques, um, you know, different approaches to, to martial arts. And uh, get, getting to learn from so many different people, I think, has definitely helped me uh, uh, in different guys with different uh, different styles. Wow, Carlos, a lot of people say that a fight is either won or lost outside the ring, or in your case, the octagon. And the winner of the mind games before the fight gives you the edge. Mike Tyson like had a beautiful response to this, which is where he would stare down his opponent when they like walk into the ring, and he knew in that moment he would win the fight. That was the edge. How powerful, Carlos, are intimidation and mind games when it comes to fighting? Uh, I think it could be important with with some at a certain level. You get to the the, the elite echelon of the sport. Everybody is solid mentally. I don't think you're going to break somebody. Uh, um, you could. I have before. I think in the past. Um, but really, you know, two, three, you know, or two number three ranked guys in the division, they're killers. They're they're as stone cold as you are, and it really comes down to technique and preparation. Yeah, something I would love to know, and uh, really fascinates me, is like when you, when a fight's like going to the later stages, and you're tired, and your your opponent's still there, like they're not giving up, and either are you. Like what do you do? Like what spurs you on in that moment? Um, well, I feel like I feel like that battle is won in the preparation. That that battle is won in in the weeks and the months before before the fight. Um, yeah. Knowing that you've put the physical preparation into uh, in into the fight camp, into um, the the fight with the opponent. You know, you just know mentally you're there. You still have it. You still have the gas to keep going because you've tested that over and over and over again in in the gym. Yeah, I like that. I was gonna, I was going to say as well, like when we were talking about the edge before your fight between um, you and Robbie Lawler. What a fight that was! Like when the final round was over, you like you both did the same thing. You just both like put your arms on the cage. That was just an amazing fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like we we both left everything in in the octagon that night um you know robbie lawler's a champion uh without a doubt just just the heart of a champion um and i you know i i have nothing but respect um i was a fan before the fight i'm more of a fan um you know after having fought him uh and yeah just you know what what an awesome thing to be part of of a moment like that yeah you embraced the warrior, like you both embraced the warrior and the fight game in that moment, and it was just amazing. Like, but Carlos, like, what was it like in that moment, right at the end of the fight, and you just knew you'd given it all, and you got nothing more to give? Uh, no. Physically, I was completely drained. Uh, you know, I was, I 
if I, I think if 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 the edge of that cage wasn't there for me to put my arms on top of, I probably would have fallen from lack of oxygen. Uh, we went three or we went five hard, hard, hard rounds, and we were both completely spent. Um, you know, but as soon as I caught my breath, you know, there, there's a sense of accomplishment. You know, and and uh, just kind of a a, a a clarity, just being, you know, go, having gone through a, a fight, a battle. Uh, like that and then it being over is it's a great feeling it's just you're you're completely you're at ease it's over it's over you're done all the lead up all the the tension all the pain everything it's it's done with and that um, you know whether you win or lose that for me is a great feeling yeah definitely i was wondering like was robbie law the fight your favorite ever fight that you've participated in yeah, probably. It's it's hard to it's hard to pick. I love them all. Uh, you know, yeah. the ones I won, the ones I lost. I love it all. But uh, that that's definitely, you know, in the in the top maybe one or two fights that I, yeah, that are my favorite. Yeah, it was certainly one of mine as well. Carlos, you've traveled all over the world fighting, and like countries like Thailand, they've got like a more Muay Thai following, and Brazil with its more Jiu Jitsu following. How do you find these different cultures' reaction to MMA? Uh, you know that, that that's what I love about the sport is that martial arts uh, transcends you know cultures. It transcends class. It transcends um, anything. It's it's a very pure form of competition that uh, that everybody respects and everybody can uh, you know kind of tap into, no matter where you're from. Um, and you know, I just, what that shows me is, man, we're, you know, underneath it all, underneath all the differences of, you know, nationality or color or race, we're all the same. And, you know, everybody enjoys a good fight, uh, no matter where you're from, which is, which is cool. You know, I think that it is fighting, it's combat, it's, you know, it's mean and it's nasty sometimes, but we can all come, uh, you know, find some common ground and it's fun to watch people punch each other in the face. (laughs) Yeah, certainly is. <laughs> um, Carlos, you mentioned before, like uh, you start, you said about Royce Gracie being like an influence for you, like in UFC um, three, I think it was. And I think I was just about to say the same, like, and I think there was a time when like Royce Gracie, like he really paved the way through his Brazilian jiu-jitsu, like when he defeated the stronger wrestler in Dan Severn. But now, currently, all the fighters have a very strong all-round fight game. Do you think there's one singular style which you think is head up above the rest in MMA? I, I really I think that it's really how you utilize that style. Um, it, you know, I, I think that anybody can beat anybody else uh, regardless of the style if you use what you know well, you know, for, for the circumstance. Uh, I think wrestling is a great base, um, but, you know, you see guys with pure wrestling that you know, it works. It works well for some of them. It doesn't work well for others. Um, everybody has to uh, evolve and become a, a complete fighter. You know, other, otherwise they don't have a whole lot of success. Uh, something that reminds me of as soon as you said that there, like a name popped in my head. Like um, was Josh Koscheck. Like when he first started out, he was all about wrestling. And I was watching him in the um, in the Ultimate Fighter, and he was just holding um, people down, and it's. And now, how much he's evolved as a fighter? It's just it's showing it's showing how much it's transcended. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have to. 
you have to continue to learn and aspects into your game. You know, the the sport is so dynamic. There's so many different things that could happen. Um, so many uh, techniques to bring to to bear, and you know, and and uh, 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 strategies to employ. That you gotta you gotta be dynamic. You gotta be um, creative. You have to be determined to continue to to grow, uh, grow as a fighter, grow as an athlete, and uh, be open to learning new new skills. Yeah, definitely, Carlos. I was wondering, like, when your when your opponent's like first announced, what's like the first thought that goes on in your head? Uh, how am I going to beat this guy? <laughs> and, then, it, and, and what did I get myself into? <laughs> yeah. Carlos, they say the toughest opponent is not the man opposite you, but you, but you yourself. How? What would you say is the most difficult aspect of yourself to overcome? Uh, I would say self-doubt. Uh, you know, I'm not. I'm not one of these guys that goes into these fights with you know 100 confidence um i gain confidence through my preparation uh but it, it it comes and it goes uh because i'm i'm real with myself and i know that yeah i i definitely have the skills to to beat this opponent but i know he's got the skills to beat me and it just depends on who's going to show up and who's going to uh execute that night and that's a uh, you know that's a crazy thing. It would be easier if I if I could lie to myself and tell myself that oh it's all going to be all right. But I know it may or may it may not. Mm. Yeah, Carlos, I was going to say I love your honesty there, but Carlos, I know as well that like, you're a big fan of natural movement, and I know that you've started to study the art of movement more. And I love how you and Erwin Likov like started working together because Erwin was actually like one of our first ever guests on the podcast. But I was wondering like how did you come about to working with Erwin Likov? Uh, he actually contacted me through through my website, uh, and he he lives in he lives in Santa Fe, which is about an hour north of Albuquerque, and you know just kind of a a serendipitous thing. Um, we started working together, and it's been awesome. Wow, cool. So, Carlos, what drew you to natural movement, and why did you decide you needed to study the art of movement and adopt it in your training? Um, well, initially, when he contacted me. I, I checked him out online and saw some of his videos and really just looked like something fun to do. Uh, I, I train nonstop for a living. Uh, so I try to incorporate as much fun training as I can. I like, I want to enjoy myself. I, I like going in and, you know, getting under a, a, a squat rack and, and, and lifting weights. And that, that's fun to me, but I, I also like to play and, Getting out and working this movement and being outside in nature, which is a big part of what what uh, Irwan uh, uh, incorporates into his his training, is that's fun to me. I enjoy that, and uh, um, you know, I, I I like to play, and it some of it is play, a lot of it's hard work, but um, it is it is enjoyable. Yeah, I, I love them. Something that Irwin said, he said, it moves better and you fight better. And for me, I think like move better, live better. And then yeah. before when you said that you, you reached out to you as well, I think that was at a, was that at a period when it was one of your worst injuries, wasn't it, as well, when you had to undergo a torn ACL? It was, yeah. I was I was uh, maybe about seven or eight months into my rehab for the ACL. Yeah, I think as well, after like an injury like that, many people probably would have thought that you would never be the same or like never return at the same level before. But I loved how you had like a different view on it and sort of dedicated your life to like study the art of movement again. Mm. Yeah, without a doubt, it was... 
uh, an integral integral part of, of my recovery. Um, I had a great physical therapist that, that really helped me heal and strengthen the leg, but to regain uh, uh, mobility and... Um, and, and stability, balance, all these different things, uh, Irwin helped me out um, immensely with that. Yeah. I was wondering as well, Carlos, do you think that you're a better fighter now, like you incorporate more natural movement approach? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if I am. It's, it's hard to tell. I, I, th- I think I'm doing pretty well. Um, I, in a lot of people's minds, I, I, I went in there and I beat the top guy in the division and should have the belt right now. Uh, yeah, so you know that it's hard to compare myself to how I was before because I can't fight you know I can't fight myself, but I'm you know I'm doing I think I'm doing pretty well for where I'm at you know I you know Robbie's been been smoking everybody in the division and I uh, I went in there and and you know and uh, you know arguably beat him uh, so I'm doing all right. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's actually funny you said that because I was talking to um, one of my best friends, um, and he's a big UFC fan, and he said it was he went, and I said to him, "Oh, we're getting Carlos Condit on," and he was over overwhelmed, and he just said one thing. He said, "If you just say one thing to him from me, just say he won that fight, he won that fight," and so I had had to say it. <laughs> but um, coming back on the movement there, um, Carlos, like when you were working with Irwin. What were the sort of things that you were doing? Um, we started very basic. Uh, we started with uh, a lot of foot, ankle, knee, hip stability, um, lots of balance training, um, and then and then from that, uh, uh, from developing a, a base, uh, we started uh, you know working on kicks and distancing, uh, reaction time. Um, uh, timing, you know, a lot of a lot of very, very uh, fundamental things um, that are think so are are sometimes overlooked uh, for for the sake of intensity in in MMA. Yeah, I was, when I mentioned before about how if you move better, you fight better. I like some of that. Um, Colin McGregor said he said like precision beats power, timing beats speed. Uh-huh. And I think it's a great line, but it's like it's hard to be summarized in a single word. But when he says that, a word that comes to my mind is efficiency. And I think, like, in the context of, like, a highly, like, chaotic environment, like, with so many unpredictable variables, which is the hallmark of a fight, really, like, the key is efficiency, and it's just amazing technique itself, and I think adaptability of movement is key. Oh, definitely, and and having having the ability to, uh, to, to have balance, have stability, have that timing, uh, uh, without thinking about it consciously having it having it kind of second nature so that you can use your conscious mind to figure out what's going on what with, with the opponent what he's trying to do um so have it almost be a uh, an instinctual thing because you've trained it so much rather than something that you're having to think about and not not being able to be mindful on what your opponent is coming coming and trying to do to you mm. Yeah, so you like you're going beyond the conscious and in your own subconscious responses. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's what good training should do. You shouldn't be thinking about it. You should just be your body should be doing it as the the, the situation arises. Yeah, that that's 
that's hundred percent true. It's like the, you've com- completely mastered that skill, and that in itself takes so much dedication. But for it to intrinsically um, happen in a fight itself, where so many different variables, so many different things can happen, it's incredible. Uh, yeah, I think it's you know, it, um, like you said, so so many different things, so many different things can happen, and you just got to go in there and uh, do do what you do what you train to do. So you know, in in my belief, in my head, it, it's all in the tr- it's it's in the training. Ninety percent of it's in the training, and ten percent of it is bringing it to the moment when it's time. Exactly, that's certainly true. Call us like. I love how we're in this like new era in movement. It's like a new hot topic. Like the whole MMA, MMA world is now really paying attention to it. It looks like everyone is on fire with the movement buzz. Like, and many people are asking, like, what's it all about? So, Carlos, do you think movement training is just some new trend, or is it for real? Like, could maybe movement training be the big missing component of MMA training, and maybe the future? Uh, I think it's a very valuable tool. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily a new trend. Uh, if you look back, you know, uh, you know, a few years, uh, George St. Pierre was incorporating, uh, 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 gymnastics training into his, into his MMA training. And gymnastics is, that's movement. You know, we talk, we talk about movement. Movement is, I mean, it's a very, uh, wide, uh, classification. There's a lot of different ways to train your movement. Um, and martial arts in itself is definitely movement training. Um, yeah. I think different coaches are going to have different approaches to it. Uh, I worked with a uh, uh, an Olympic wrestler who is, you know, before before any of this stuff came out with McGregor, before I started training with er- uh, Irwan, uh, he was he was trying to incorporate. Uh, uh, all, all this different movement training with, with his wrestlers. He's developing a new uh, youth wrestling system where he's uh, working agility and movement and balance and flexibility with these young with these young kids to um, ultimately make them better wrestlers. So you know, I think that uh, the cool thing about movement is it's applicable to any sport, no matter what you want to do. If you just want to live, you know, just, just in, in life, if you want to go hiking, if you want to be a fighter, if you want to be uh, a football player, if you want to be, you know, any, any number of things, I think it's going to improve your, your abilities. Yeah, I certainly agree. And I think, like, the explanation is simple. Like, fighting is movement. And, like, if you improve, like, a fighter's overall movement abilities, like, you'll improve the fight, fighting ability as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, Carlos, where where does movement training fit in the picture of developing a world class fighter? Uh, well, in in my case, it's something that I do, that I started uh, diving into after having fought for you know maybe eleven or twelve years professionally. Um, so for me, it's really uh, kind of taking a step back and working on a lot of fundamentals that uh, maybe maybe I've overlooked. Um, and and kind of deconstructing my game a little bit, and yeah. and trying to build a more solid uh, a more solid uh, uh, base to you know eventually build a, a better end product. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think it's it's really interesting to me where like the movement coaches like taking the sport of UFC, and I think if you're looking back in the early stages of UFC, and in, in my opinion as well, like sports teams like still only incorporate like one dimensional approaches to training. And like no one really knows like what we're doing like in mixed martial arts let's say like we know like what you need for the ground game we know what you need like to control the range of the fight 
and we know what you need to be a good striker, but I think like the underlying foundation of the sport of mixed martial arts, like not many people really know like the best way to prepare for it, in my opinion. And I think that goes for many other sports as well, in my opinion as well. And I think now with the more natural movement patterns, it's allowing like fighters and athletes like yourself to like be more equipped. Uh, yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. I think that, um, so at, as a kid, when I started wrestling, we used to do tons of agility training. And I remember the coaches that, the coaches of the seasons, uh, that, that incorporated that quite a bit had, had very successful teams. Um, yeah. you know, and, and they weren't necessarily running their kids into the ground with, uh, w- with conditioning and with, with, with drilling, but we're really trying to build better, better athletes. And, um, I think that, that translates into, into, to, um, uh, success in, in, you know, a number of different athletics. Mm. Well, yeah, I think, uh, classically, Carlos, I think MMA training revolves around specific yet integrative training, like in various martial art disciplines. But you also include many of the mixed bag of like striking and grappling arts and also supplementary strength and conditioning development, which is one of those like indispensable aspects of elite sports training. And that is obviously very well established. And I was wondering as well, you touched on it there. Um, what were some of your strength and conditioning sessions? How, how did the, what would they look like? Um, you know, we, uh, it varies quite a bit depending on how close to a fight I am. Um, so, you know, right now, um, I don't have a fight on the horizon. I'm pretty far out from anything really. Uh, I'm doing a lot of, uh, strength and power, um, doing, doing some cardio and agility, but really focusing on, um, uh, you know, building strength. Um, as a fight camp goes on, uh, we transition into, uh, more of a, a speed and power phase. And then, um, right before a fight, we're, we're really into, uh, uh, an endurance, um, an endurance phase, uh, to, uh, you know, all the, all the while trying to maintain all that, the, the strength and the power that we built in the, in the previous blocks. So, you know, basically it's a, it's a periodized, um, training, training method. Yeah, cool. Carlos, I was wondering though, like, um, aside from like the movement approach with fighting, I was wondering, like, if you've adopted, like, a movement approach, like, over your day-to-day life in general, aside from fighting? Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I feel like um, if I incorporate, you know, the, the, the different movement uh, patterns just on, on you know, in, in, in uh, mundane things that I stay mobile, you know, instead of sitting on a chair. Um, I, you know, I, I work in low squat positions, um, and and I incorporate the the movement flows into every one of my warm ups. You know, every time I'm in the gym, uh, you know, it's not hard to do. It's you know to to stay to stay mobile, to stay uh, up with 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 my my movement and everything. I just you know kind of do a little bit every day, and it it it, it goes a long way. Yeah, interesting. Keeping on the theme of life outside the octagon. Uh, you've obviously left a huge imprint on the UFC for your relentless approach to your fights, like your strength, your grit, your determination, the true virtues that's helped you go beyond that of a fighter and into a strong individual outside the ring, uh, sorry, the octagon. Have you ever noticed any of those strong traits in the octagon, like transfer over to your mindset and life outside the octagon? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Um, and, and, and really, I feel like that's, you know, those are the most important lessons. You know, I'm going to fight for a short, you know, for a short period of time, uh, 
in 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 the scope of my life you know you know i at this point i guess i've been fighting close to half my life but if i live to be a 80 90 100 year old person it'll be a sh- you know short in comparison so you know what the, the the lessons that i've learned in in the things that i've learned in the octagon and be, by being a, a a fighter you know it it needs to transfer into the rest of my life otherwise you know what's this all been for um yeah but i think uh you know determination and um and uh i don't know there's just a, there's a lot of things that that have definitely transferred i think mm well, yeah, like you said, they've got to really because like fighting such a short game, and life is such a long journey. And you've con- and not just in the octagon you're going to learn lessons, but outside the octagon you're going to learn lessons. And that's the beauty of life because you're always learning. And eventually you get so old, and you realize you are always learning, and that you never stop learning. And that's absolutely amazing. But then that's actually bringing us on to the next thing as well, Carlos, which was like switching off from your role as a warrior. Like, if you can, or is it always burning inside of you? I think it's it's such a part of who I am that it's not really a thing that I turn off and turn on. Uh, it's just uh, it's just just a, one, one layer of who I am. Wow. Yeah, that really fascinates me. Like, is the approach and like trying to create a balance? Because I think sometimes, like like Chris was saying before, I think like a fighter can sort of like become single minded, like in terms of fighting, and like maybe just only come completely focused on fighting. And maybe like only just thinking about fighting all the time, and I think it could become like extremely exhausting. And like I heard a quote from the book um, of the Samurai, and it was a quote talking about um, balance and um, the fact that the warrior like has to be like an artist, a philosopher, and a poet as well. Now that couldn't be so more true in my opinion. Oh yeah, I I, I agree with that 100. Um, percent I'm li- I'm trying to live I'm trying to live a full and complete complete life, and and part of that is. Uh, my love and my pursuit of martial arts, but there's so many different aspects of that, you know, you know, most importantly being my family. And if I, you know, if, if I'm consumed by, uh, by training in my career, then I'm, I'm missing out on, on something that's, you know, r- really important. And, you know, I would say that, you know, when I'm in training camp, especially for a fight, like as big as, as, as a championship fight, um, I am consumed a bit, but it's, uh, it, it you know it, it it's not year round you know it's it's while while I'm in camp and I and I do my best to to balance to balance you know all, all things. Yeah, I like that, Carlos. I was wondering, like, um, what are some of your other interests? Maybe like, what's one of your biggest curiosities right now in your life? Oh man, um, I I love the outdoors. Um, I I've recently taken up uh, uh, taken up bow hunting and trying to learn trying to uh you know learn how to how to hunt um and uh i like to fish um i love art i love music uh you know i have, I have a lot of different interests ah, that's cool did you by the way did you get the the bow hunting like from joe rogan because i know he's really into it as well right now isn't he uh yeah no i mean i i've always been interested uh I've always wanted to hunt. My dad was not a hunter, uh, so I didn't grow up with it. Um, but I, now that I'm now that I'm older, it's definitely something that I've, I've just wanted to pursue, and I have the time and a, and the opportunity. So um, you know, it's something that I've I've been doing for the last couple of years. Ah, that's great, Carlos. Great. So, Carlos, I'm going to give you the power. If you could organize a super fight and you could fight any fighter, 
Who would you fight and why? Um, I would like to fight. I'd like to fight George St. Pierre again. Uh, honestly, uh, you know he's he's a, a, a huge figure in the sport. Um, we had we had a we had one go around that I think people enjoyed, and you know there's there's the, the possibility of him coming back, and uh, if I could get another shot at that, um, you know, after having been so close to finishing the guy, uh, I would be I would be very pleased to you know get get to stand across the octagon from George again. Yeah, definitely. I would like to see that. That'd be cool. That. But I was wondering, like, what's like the best ever advice that you've ever received? Like, maybe from a trainer or a fighter, or just somebody that maybe thought that like, you need to check it out. Um, the best piece of advice that I've ever got was from my dad, and you know, he he told me, and this was when I was you know playing football and when I was wrestling when I was a kid. He always told me, "Don't dog it," and and by that he meant don't don't give it anything less than a hundred percent. If you go out there, if you're gonna do something, you do it you know, with everything you got every time, you know, whether it's practice or whether it's competition. And, um, that is, that, that, that's influenced me, um, you know, throughout my life up to this point. And, uh, you know, I think that that's been a huge part of my success. Yeah. I like that. I have to ask you as well, Carlos, is there like any, like things that any routines or maybe something that you think make you successful? Like maybe anything like meditation, flow tanks, breathing practices, visualization, or something that you feel like, or a key part of your life just to make you successful? Um, yeah, I, I, I do meditate. Um, I do definitely try, try to relax. You know, after these uh, long days of training, um, I, I like to, to, to sit out, usually, especially when it's cold outside, I like to sit out, you know, just in, you know, in some shorts, you know, no shirt or anything, get nice and cold, look up at the sky, um, relax, reflect, and uh, just kind of kind of reset mentally. Oh, great that, Carlos. Carlos, to end this podcast, if you could give someone advice who has a vision and certain things they want to achieve in their life, what would you say to someone as a final message to push them forward as a human being on this planet? pursue pursue what you're what you're passionate about with all your heart um you know it, you, you might as well go for go for it 100 percent. and uh you know if, if you fail you know at least at least you you know did did everything in your power to um to to succeed wow well but call us that is straight simple and to the point We've all got to just push ourselves forward and really go for what we want. Because like you said earlier, life's short and you have got to take it, man. You've got to take your chance in life. Nothing can hold us back. Oh, thank you for that, Carlos. Carlos, uh, another thing we'd just like to see is how can people find you on social media and etc.? Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, mainly, I, I'm on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, I just got a Snapchat. My my Facebook is just uh, you know is a fan page for Carlos Condit. Um, Instagram is, is uh, Carlos underscore Condit. Um, Snapchat is Carlos underscore Condit, uh, and on Twitter it's just at Carlos Condit. I'd just like to say thank you for being on. Uh, thank you for giving us your time today and being on the podcast because that was fantastic. Thank you. Thank you guys. I appreciate you having me. Thanks guys for taking time out your day to boost your consciousness. But guys, we really need your help. If you're loving the podcast, 
please pop over and leave us a review and tell us what you think. And also, don't forget to head over to our website at ascendbodymind.com and check out our amazing gallery of other great episodes. Thank you and have a great day and join us next week in the next episode. Peace.